Hi there, and welcome to our Hollowed Fruit Podcast. Here we will meet inspirational LGBTQIA persons whose journeys and practices illustrate the flowering and fertile possibilities for all of our souls. I'm Brian Anthos, a spiritual guide for pleasure and peace seekers. You can find out more about me at brianantos.com. Let's take a moment now to pause and find some quiet, and to consider again that we are a part of something larger than ourselves. As we begin, let us be at peace. Welcome to Episode 8 of Our Hollowed Fruit. Today we welcome Eli Lincoln. Eli is a porn star, but also a regular guy. Hello world, hello universe. I'm Brian Anthos, and welcome back to our Hollowed Fruit Podcast. It is a thrill to welcome today Eli Lincoln from Massachusetts. Eli, hello, welcome, and thank you for stopping by on our Hollowed Fruit. Hello, it's great to be here. Great to have you. Eli is a bisexual cam model and content creator who also occasionally shoots gay porn with studios. When not working, you'll likely find Eli outside landscaping or hanging at home with his cat Hanley, maybe binging some hot date on Netflix or playing League of Legends on his computer. So, Eli, will Hanley be joining us for the cast today? <laughs> um, I I hope not, because he's pretty uh, noisy and destructive when he comes on camera or on audio. Uh, but you never know. <laughs> That's quite a cat. Noisy and destructive. Yes. <laughs> so, first, Eli, like maybe some of our listeners, uh, I know you from your cam work, your online content, and maybe some of the work from porn studios. But I want to start first by just saying hello to you. Uh, Simply as a fellow human being walking this earth, uh, yes, for stepping out in the way you have in the porn and sex content space, but first and foremost, as you say in your Instagram bio, a regular guy. Or, as you said to me recently when I asked for a word to describe yourself, you said just one word comes to mind, authentic. So I would love for you first to share a bit about Eli and tell us more about this just regular authentic guy. So I, um, born and raised in Massachusetts, um, have three older siblings, so I'm the youngest of four. Um, and always was kind of took a backseat to anything that was happening. Um, so growing up, I was rather shy and never took any sort of initiative. And it probably wasn't until uh, I got to be about 21 where I started to come out of my shell a little bit um, and try to live my life that felt truest to me. Uh, so I try to emulate that um, through pretty much everything that I do now, uh, trying to be my most authentic self. I was struck too, Eli, when you sent me back the description of yourself, occasionally shoots gay porn with studios. (laughs) Um, I think many would call you or maybe just think of you as a gay porn star. 
Um, so I appreciate this description that highlights this is just one part of your life. Um, like everyone else each day, I imagine you eat, work, sleep, run errands, pay bills, deal with life like the rest of us, correct? Correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Almost a little boring some days? <laughs> it's it's very, very mundane for 90% of the time. <laughs> so what is it like to straddle these worlds? Um, well... <laughs> I do live sort of a dual life. Um, I do landscaping work for uh, my local church and um, I'm also the custodian there. So naturally they aren't aware of anything that I do outside of church. Um, And so I kind of have these different personalities where I act more conservatively when I'm working for the church and more uh, liberal and myself when I'm either camming or shooting porn or just going about my day. What does that feel like internally to, to do that? Well, growing up, uh, I always felt like I had to wear a different mask for who I was interacting with just to kind of placate their own feelings and just to make my life easier because you don't have to deal with that sort of struggle of someone not liking an aspect of you or not agreeing with something um, that you can't control. Uh, So for the longest time, I hid my own personality to my friends, my family, to strangers, pretty much anyone that I interacted with. And it wasn't until I started gaming online where I started to break down some of those barriers that I put up for myself and really started to be who I am today. Yeah, so it sounds like online was really key to that becoming who you are moment, right? Uh, Definitely, yes. Uh, My mom is quite a uh, religious conservative woman who kind of instilled her values pretty heavily uh, to my siblings and I that didn't quite stick (laughs) as she would have liked. (laughs) Uh, So it was was definitely a a struggle when I was younger. In addition to your regular guy life, uh, you're a sex worker on camera via cams and filming with studios. This is absolutely awesome. And I'm so glad for your courage and your work. I'm also so grateful that you've agreed to share a little bit more about this part of your life today. So again, thank you. If you'd be willing to, to kind of kick things off on this next part of the conversation, take us through your history and relationship with porn. How did you discover porn? What was the first porn or erotic content that you can remember watching or finding, whatever that looked like? So uh, in preparation for this, I was kind of thinking about my early days of (laughs) exploring the sort of avenues. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember quite clearly that I was home alone, had access to the internet, and just Googled, uh, Google image searched uh, bare naked ladies. Like the first three images that came up was the band, uh, and the rest were all like nude pictures of females. And I was just captivated. That was my first like ever exposure to any sort of like porn material. Um, And so from there, I just kind of uh, 
explored online over the years, as I feel like uh, most of my generation has done. Um, and just kind of like looked at different things to see what piqued my interest. Um, it, it was kind of uh, a weird space to navigate because uh, when I was younger, I didn't know kind of what my sexual identity was. Um, I had, uh, my older brother is gay and came out at a much younger age than when I came out. So I was uh, exposed to uh, someone who had to navigate that in the early 2000s. And so I never had like an issue with thinking that I might be gay, but I always struggled with, well, I find females attractive, I find men attractive. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for me? Right. For the longest time, I thought it was a binary choice of you like one or the other, and that's it. Uh, and it wasn't until really kind of watching porn that I kind of discovered that there's more to it than just a binary choice. I think that's one of the gifts that pornography provides for so many is a window into what is possible. Yeah, exactly. In in many times conversations that just are not being had otherwise. What role, if any, did porn play in your coming out story? I probably discovered uh, bisexual porn when I was like 15 or 16, but didn't really um, internalize it until I was about 21 uh, when I was having both men and women kind of hit on me. Um, so it kind of started with, uh, I was dating this guy at the time and uh, that was like fine. I didn't feel like I was gay, but I didn't feel like I was straight. And I was like, well, if that's the case, then I must be bisexual, but in like what sense? And so over the like, course of two years it wasn't until it wasn't until then that I really identified that I am like straight down the middle don't have a preference for one or the other um so <laughs> it's kind of just a lot of like waiting over time to kind of see what what felt right to me sure sure and then at what point did you decide I want to be a porn actor <laughs> Uh, I was dating this uh, girl in the summer of 2016, and um, <laughs> I was actually a, a virgin before I started dating her, so I like really prefaced going into like the first time that we had sex that I was inexperienced, so like don't <laughs> expect anything from me. Um, and she, like after we were done having sex the first time she kind of like looked at me and she's like so were you being serious when you said you were a virgin <laughs> I'm like no <laughs> I wasn't but thanks I guess uh and so over like the next uh few weeks she would make jokes that I had like the stamina to be a porn star and it was just this kind of like haha back and forth sort of thing <laughs> uh and then over time it became less of a joke to me and a serious consideration of what I could do uh, with my future. Because at that time, I 
uh, didn't have a college degree. Uh, I was working dead-end jobs that I hated, and I was kind of trying to search for something that would bring me some sort of joy and felt like I was actually enjoying what I do. So I took a leap, and here I am. Yeah, I love it. And it's a great story of just sort of listening and noticing and paying attention. I mean, those are some of the big things that I enjoy talking about and that I work a lot with with my clients of Mm. to listen, to pay attention. And someone gave you this, you know, great message of like, hey, you know, and is it a joke? Is it not a joke? You you should be a porn star. Yeah. (laughs) And so to to listen to that, to hear it, to notice it, not just move on, I think is wonderful. So take us through then the next part of the journey of deciding I want to be in porn to getting casted in your first scene to then deciding to create your own webcam content and OnlyFans content. So I did uh, a little bit of Google research to try and figure out how to get in, where to start, uh, what I would need to think about. And (laughs) really, it just comes down to going to various different sites and applying to be one of their models. And so I sent like a bunch of different applications to uh, various different studios, uh, gay studios, straight studios, to gay agents, to straight agents. Um, And then as I was doing this, um, I remembered just randomly this time where I stumbled upon um, a campsite called Chatterbait, where I kind of watched uh, this one male camera who was like, just kind of like chatting, but also being um, flirtatious. And uh, it to me, it just struck as like a very uh, like authentic representation of how this person is. And so I really liked that. And I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm going to be on camera for a studio. It probably would make sense to get some practice in front of people Mm -hmm. uh, so that I wouldn't be as nervous when I'm then shooting uh, a scene and there's like actual people in the room with me. Uh, So I started camming for the sole purpose of just getting comfortable performing in front of people. And then shortly after that, I got in contact or I had a... um, studio messaged me uh, about coming down to Florida and filming with them. Um, And that was pretty uh, low-key. They always do with new models, uh, sort of like entry-level stuff. So it's not like any full-on sex scenes. It's more like hand or oral stuff. Um, So that was kind of like a good introduction uh, for me. And it kind of gave me a taste of what to expect from uh, working on an actual scene. Yeah, interesting. And and interesting on the um, chatterbait and camming piece. Say more about what what it is like to to be a camera and, as you said, be your authentic self. I mean, there's a lot of versions out there of what that space is and what it can be and what people are offering. How how do you decide who you are and and what you're sharing and how how have you navigated that over time? Um, So definitely... People have their own approaches to how they want to present themselves. Um, 
I just find it easiest for me to act how I would normally act. Maybe like amp it up a little bit to give on like a little bit of a show, but anything that I do or say is how I would act in real life. So I decided that I wanted to be my most authentic self uh, because that's kind of what I like to see when I'm looking at cameras or looking at porn. I like to see something that feels uh, unscripted or feels that if it is scripted, it's at least acted pretty well so that you can feel more invested in it. Uh, so when I started camming, I went with that approach just to be easiest because to me it feels easiest just to be who I am. I don't have to remember what kind of facade I'm trying to put on. And from there, I just went, I went with that. Yeah, I'm mean, safe to say it's um, this sort of attraction to a connection. Yeah. Um, more so than a body part. Correct, yeah. Yeah, awesome. As you started early on and camming and applying and those first couple of shoots and headed down to Florida for the first time, I mean, what kind of doubts, fears, anxieties going through you at that point? <laughs> so, I mean, I definitely had the, like, quick thought of, oh, this is, like, some grand scheme and it's like not actually what it's going to be and I'm going to be like kidnapped or something <laughs> something just like completely outrageous that would usually not happen um so I mean I was I was pretty anxious going down uh for my first shoot and I I still get pretty anxious whenever I film with a, a new studio or work with someone new uh, just because I don't have that, like, rapport with them. I don't know who they are. I don't know, like, kind of what person they are. Um, and so I I was nervous. Um, and when I did get there, um, it was a much more relaxed environment than I kind of thought. Sure. Um, it's <laughs> usually with... Uh, porn, it's like, you know, most people only see like what is being filmed and not really what happens behind the cameras. And behind the cameras, people are like really relaxed, they make jokes. It's, it's not always like sex 100% of the time. Uh, so there's just different aspects to it. And for the most part, uh, people are, are pretty, pretty easygoing uh, in my experience. You mentioned earlier growing up with uh, your conservative mom. You mm -hmm. mentioned working in a church, actually. What role has religion and spirituality played in your life and in this journey? I don't feel very religious myself. Um, I have listened to the teachings of the Bible for my entire life, and I think parts of it have good takeaways for sort of uh, morality, what's good and what's wrong, how to treat other people, how to see other people's perspectives from different angles. But I never really bought into like higher life or anything. Um, so for me, it doesn't really play uh, 
much of a part in my life other than it's a place where I go and I do a job and get paid. In some of my one-to-one work with clients, the topics of shame and guilt come up a lot uh, with sex in general, but specifically with pornography very often. Um, What was your journey in overcoming any shame, guilt um, when it comes to masturbating sex and porn? So definitely when I was younger, I had a lot of shame and guilt just from uh, my own confusion with my sexuality. Um, I, I don't really know exactly when I kind of overcame that. I think it was just more of a, a gradual uh, overtime thing uh, where I saw it less of an issue for me. Uh, because at that point I was trying to be as authentic to myself and it's like, how can I be authentic if I feel ashamed or guilt about an aspect of me? So I kind of just like shedded that at one point. I'm not sure exactly what, what brought it to that point. What would you say to someone listening who maybe still has or feels buried amounts of this guilt and shame. What, what are some next steps, some best practices in overcoming those feelings from your perspective? I think identifying where and why you might feel that shame. Uh, I know for me, part of that shame was imposed um, just by my uh, mom being kind of anti-sex in general. Um, and it's sort of being like a taboo subject to even talk about. Um, so I think trying to identify where it came from is kind of helpful. And if you can identify where it came from, you can then try and strategize how to overcome it. Beautiful advice. Thank you for that. And I often find myself sharing as well, similar ideas and also the idea of just not being surprised, you know, like the, the feelings are normal mm-hmm. um, because of the situation that we're put in and what is sort of ingrained in us before we're even born. So to not let it surprise us, right? learn to sort of be okay with it for a little bit as, as a way to navigate through it to eventually maybe it not being there at all. Um, but rather than asking ourselves to just make it go away now, to just sort of live with it, be okay with it for a little bit, not be surprised, and then find that other place. Mm-hmm. So we're going to shift gears a little bit here and talk about the OnlyFans flip-flop. Eli, take us through those moments when you found out about the initial OnlyFans announcement that as of October 1st, 2021, OnlyFans was not going to allow sexually explicit content on their platform. Where were you? How did you find out? What were those initial thoughts and feelings? So it happened on a Thursday. I woke up feeling pretty good about myself, had a little uh, pep in my step, (laughs) and uh, started my normal day of where I just go on Twitter, check what's kind of happening on there. Pretty much everyone that I followed was sharing this article about uh, OnlyFans banning 
um, sexual content. And half of the models that I followed were in complete panic. The other half were saying, this is just some uh, media saying this. OnlyFans hasn't announced anything. Um, it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like we've dealt with these scares before. It's no big deal. So uh, later that day, there were some people who were messaging uh, OnlyFans support, kind of trying to get clarification. Uh, and they were all assuring those sex workers that no, no, nothing is like that is going to happen. It's going to be fine. Come to uh, the next day, OnlyFans sends out a new terms of service to all of its content creators saying that they will be banning um, all sexual content um, and kind of only saying that like some nudity would be allowed, but more in sense of like very artistic, non-sexual in any way. So that definitely caused uh, a lot of backlash um, from sex workers. And it was kind of interesting because this was the first time where non-sex workers were outraged about something that affected the sex worker community. Uh, you had uh, media articles kind of criticizing these decisions on how it will negatively affect uh, performers. And then you also had um, people who uh, stream on Twitch, YouTube, politicians who were decrying this sudden change. Yeah, I mean, it, the news seemed to bring out all kinds of opinions on social media. And yes, major news networks I saw as well. Um, as you said, non-sex workers stepping up and saying, why, what, you know, this is not who we are and what we want to be. Um, your comment a little bit ago is so interesting. You said some of the feedback initially from creators was, oh, we've dealt with these scares before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this backlash of, we don't want to, this isn't scary. We don't want to deal with these scares. Like this isn't acceptable anymore. Um, what kinds of comments as they started to appear, um, comments, posts that you appreciated or maybe those that you didn't appreciate so much? There were a couple of, sitting U.S. Congress people who posted uh, about this in support of sex workers, uh, which was appreciative, but uh, not as helpful given their positions where they could, you know, write laws or pass protections um, for sex workers. Um, Other than that, it was just, it was, it was, it was nice to see uh, such a, a groundswell of support from every different avenue. Um, and I think that's partly due to the fact of how popular OnlyFans has become in uh, the culture for like the last two years, because it, it really became a way for uh, traditionally non-sex workers to make money during uh, the pandemic. So it was very common for someone who, you know, maybe just posted memes on the internet and just like shit posts on Twitter. And then they were like, here's my OnlyFans. And so it just became like very socially acceptable as a platform, which is why I think there was such a groundswell of support from all of these different communities. 
Yeah, right. The accessibility, this kind of movement that's provided for both creators and consumers, right? I mean, in what, I don't know, a matter of minutes, you can have a video posted or within minutes, you can find someone's OnlyFans and be a subscriber, right? Yeah, it's pretty pretty fast and convenient in that aspect. So what steps as this started to unfold and there was so much uncertainty, what steps did you take to start protecting yourself, your content, your fans? What what did that look like? Uh, so my initial plan of action was to uh, back up all of my content that I had produced on OnlyFans, which dated back to 2017 when I first joined. Wow. Uh, and so I just kind of started that process uh, so that I would have it backed up uh, on my computer so that when I do move to a different platform, I have all of that content that I've created. Um, And so from there now, I'm just getting verified on other platforms to move all that stuff onto. Right. So then a few days later, OnlyFans tries backtracking and essentially says, never mind, we love you, sex workers. We've found a way to keep your content. Uh, so now what? What were you left thinking at that point? So they were pretty coded in how they drafted that tweet. Uh, they, I believe, referred to sex workers as diverse community creators, hmm. uh, which is <laughs> hmm. not exactly saying the word sex worker. It's not the first time that OnlyFans has tried to distance itself from sex workers. They've spent the last uh, three years trying to promote uh, uh, workout trainers, uh, chefs, uh, yoga instructors, uh, magicians at one point. Um, so they, they've gone out of their way to show that they're not just porn when 95% of the content on there is porn. And the only reason that OnlyFans kind of is where it is now is because of pornography. Um, So I saw that as, I saw their tweet as very coded press release of like, this is how we're going to appease uh, the bulk of where we make our money because we're seeing content creators leave, we're seeing fans leave, we're already hemorrhaging money and we need to stop it somehow. Um, And I think the next day they sent an updated terms of service where they outlined that they can change their terms of service at any given point without notifying their content creators. So if they wanted to, change their mind again, they could say, well, tomorrow, all all porn is banned. And if you have content that is on there that is porn, then we're just going to delete your account. So you mentioned what is next. um, And you had posted on your Twitter, and I'll I'll quote you here. (laughs) When all is settled, my OnlyFans will be deleted, because fuck them. But more importantly, fuck the banking institutions and Christian fanatics who hate porn. So can you share more, Eli, on on these thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, so that was definitely uh, posted uh, when I was feeling a little heated. Yeah, Um, sure. (laughs) Rightfully so. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, so given all of the past history with OnlyFans, all the complications that there have been, um, I haven't dealt with um, some of the issues that uh, other content creators have dealt with, such as like not getting their funds delivered to them. Um, so I kind of decided that after this whole media blow up, they're really not committing to standing with the community that has built their platform. And I see no reason why they should get a cut of the content that I produce. Um, so it was a pretty easy decision for me just to move off of uh, OnlyFans. Uh, as for the banking institutions and religious organizations, uh, banking institutions have been pretty anti-porn, uh, pretty anti-sex work for a long time. They're usually run by uh, older white men who are right-wing leaning, maybe uh, religious ideology. And they definitely listen to these uh, religious groups uh, the most. Uh, so the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, uh, which was originally Morality and Media, uh, cites itself as being an anti-trafficking organization, uh, when in reality they're just an anti-pornography organization. Uh, they, uh, I believe, were the group behind trying to take down Pornhub. Um, and they tried to do that by going after uh, Visa and MasterCard. Mm -hmm. uh, so these groups kind of made it their mission to be like, we are the good people. We are trying to save children who are not a part of pornography at all. And any child sexual abusive material that does get posted uh, is illegally posted on these sites from unverified users. Uh, and so Pornhub over the years has tried to do a much better job at moderating their own content. But interestingly, interestingly enough, this organization never goes after Facebook, which hosts the, uh, the majority of uh, CSAM that is out there. Mm. I, I appreciated... Um you know, the comment when you tweeted it and, and certainly expanding upon it now that, you know, while the criticism of OnlyFans is needed, and I would agree with, um, the issue is so much more than OnlyFans. Right. And, you know, I think you, you bring up these points, and I, I think it, it's even beyond porn and sex in the world, the, the control of the money, the control of our capitalist capitalistic economy and the control of Western religion. This is what we're born into, and this is what we're up against. And so I appreciated in, yes, that moment of heat, maybe, you being able to get to these larger points. Again, while the criticism of OnlyFans is fair, it's like, we might not talk about OnlyFans in a year, but we're still going to be up against these same battles. Right. And I'm not sure how much of a part this plays, but given that many people have used OnlyFans as a way to help supplement their income during the pandemic, and then realizing that, oh, I can make more money than my minimum wage fast food job 
where I'm working 10 hours, might not get a break, like on my feet all day and just dealing with like the absolute worst customers. So part of me kind of wonders how much of that plays a part in these organizations trying to use their influence mm. and their uh, morality to try and control. Um, because they can't hire workers right now? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. An interesting point. I mean, that that is another conversation that we hear every day in the news right now is the largest companies not being able to hire the minimum wage frontline workers. And where are they? Might might be one of the places they are, right? Could be. So what are your plans for going forward? Um, are you ready to announce that yet? Platforms that you will use or might use or any other expansion plans or creations that you foresee? I uh, definitely plan to use Chatterbait's uh, equivalent of OnlyFans, which I believe is Peach.com. Um, and I'm not sure yet uh, what other platforms I'm going to use, because uh, <laughs> I, ha- I haven't gotten there yet. Sure. Uh, but I definitely, definitely will know in the near future. So Peach.com, is that new from Chatterbait? It is. Yeah, it's a, it's a new platform that kind of got uh i don't know how long in the process they were on working on this but it definitely seemed to be announced Hmm. shortly after the OnlyFans. maybe got some extra green lights once the only fans happened right yeah definitely a push yeah so eli a central theme on our hallowed fruit is to consider what our fruits or gifts to the world are Um, all too often lgbtqia plus persons get this line from the Bible thrown at them to be fruitful and multiply as a reason why their sexual life is wrong. In other words, if a man and a woman are not having sex and to have sex to have a baby to be fruitful and multiply, then what you're doing is wrong or from a church standpoint in sin. And so we take a moment on our hallowed fruit to ask each guest, what are your fruits to this world? What are your gifts? How are you fruitful and multiply those gifts? Or maybe how do you want to do this? So I knew this question was coming <laughs> and I still No pun intended there. Still don't still don't know uh what exactly uh my my gifts to the world are. Um I do kind of try to uh navigate my world and trying to not create uh, negativity for other people um, and so that definitely is a central part to the content that I create more so when I am camming uh, I try to be like a fun low low-key uh, like hangout room where people can come and relax from whatever might be stressing them out Yeah, positivity. And I would say, as you said earlier, your authenticity, that desire to connect with someone. Um, And I think also, when you think about your own story, the power that the online space had for you in finding yourself, and your ability and opportunity right now to provide that space for others. How does that sound? That that pretty much nails it on the head. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Eli, we ask each of our guests here on the cast to share a spiritual or self-care practice that works for them, something that keeps you grounded or that kind of calm space that you know you can always go find and get to when you need it. What does that look like for you? What what kind of practice can you share with everyone today? So my self-care varies depending on kind of what I need. Sometimes self-care to me looks like uh, just like taking care of myself, just grooming myself, uh, shaving my face or like cutting my nails. Uh, And then sometimes it's just me uh, getting my car and driving around uh, aimlessly, either listening to music or a podcast. Uh, For me, I find driving to be very relaxing, (laughs) even though I live in a state where the drivers are crazy. Uh, So... (laughs) That's usually usually what I will do for some sort of self-care is just drive around. When you start driving, do you sometimes end up at the same spots or similar spots or just wherever? Um, I definitely have a couple different routes. <laughs> Henley the cat is definitely making an appearance now. Yeah, he's going crazy. Um <laughs> I definitely have some spots of where... (laughs) (laughs) Family! Stop. Stop. We'll leave that in. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great. That was another regular guy moment. (laughs) Yeah, I often yell at my cat when I'm camping too, so it's fine. (laughs) Um, I generally have a couple different routes uh, that I'll take when I'm driving just because I do it so often. Um, But if I'm feeling, I guess, especially aimless or just kind of need to like really clear my head, I'll just like drive straight in a direction until I feel like turning around. Um, Or I'll just like decide on a whim like all right i'm gonna go take the next exit off the highway and follow that to wherever it leads me so as we near the end of our time um, we often end uh, these episodes with some joy and gratitude and it looks a little different each time but just some unique fun um, questions and and sharings to end with so i have some prepared um, questions for you today all right sure so what was your first porn scene that you were casted in First scene I was tested in was for this site called College Boy Physicals. The scene was me going to the like college health uh, clinic and to get help on some sort of like health <laughs> class I was taking. Uh, <laughs> it's very, very poorly thought out. Uh, I do not recommend trying to find it. Uh, it was very rough, uh, going, uh, of a scene, uh, (laughs) definitely not one of my favorite, uh, scenes that I've done, but it was with, uh, it was with an older guy and, um, I don't even remember how it got to, but at, like, some point I'm then naked and he's, like, jerking me off. (laughs) That pretty much was the video. (laughs) So then what was or what is your favorite scene? I don't know if I have a favorite scene per se, um, but 
I do have quite a few scenes with uh, Colby Knox that I really like and really enjoyed making. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't really find one that I would that sticks out as like this is this is the best. Yeah. Well, I, I first encountered your work with your collaboration with Colby Knox, you just brought up. Um, for those that don't know, Colby and Mikey Knox are a married couple that are cameras, performers, creators, and have created their own porn studio, Colby Knox. Um, what is it like to film with those guys, Eli? So they were, uh, they are a really good fit uh, for me as a camera and a porn star because we literally do the same thing. Um, our approach to camming is pretty much the same. Uh, and our approach to filming porn is also the same of trying to make it uh, feel as authentic as possible. Uh, so working with them was was insanely easy because of just how similar our philosophy for porn is. Um, I did have some overlap when I first uh, worked with them of my own fans who also watched them, which was nice. And then off cam, they're just these two nerdy uh, guys who... <laughs> Your face uh, is lighting up right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, I mean, when we're not like filming porn, we're usually just like hanging out, like playing games or watching shows. Uh, it's, it's a very like low key environment um, and always tons of fun when I visit. Back to that regular guy place again, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's on your playlist? So when you're out landscaping or at the gym, what are you listening to? Uh, so I'm generally listening to uh, podcasts when I'm uh, landscaping. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really nerding out uh, listening to uh, Not Another D&D Podcast, which is just a group of people playing Dungeons & Dragons together uh, in a podcast format. Uh, and then I also listen to uh, the Daily Zeitgeist to try and get like uh, update on news and such. If I'm listening to music, it will vary uh, from some sort of pop, whatever, or um, kind of like more uh, indie style music. Uh, band that I've listened to a lot recently is uh, this London-based group called Salt, S-A-U-L-T. So I've, I've been listening to them a lot on Spotify. And any big trips planned in 2022? Uh, not at the moment. I was hoping to do some traveling uh, this year, but the <laughs> it kind of is decided on what the pandemic looks like. So Yeah. If you could go anywhere right now where would it be i probably would go to new york city it's generally my my go-to place if i want to vacation uh my my brother lives there so i usually just crash with him yeah. uh and then just have lots of fun uh hitting the town awesome so eli where can anyone listening find you and your work so the best place to find me is on twitter at lincoln eli L-I-N-C-O-L-N-E-L-I. 
um, or on Instagram, uh, which is at uh, Eli J. Lincoln. E L I J L I N C O L N. Great. Um, I definitely use Twitter more than Instagram, though. Great. Thank you so much. And again, I am Brian Anthos. You can find out more about me at brianthos.com. It's B-R-Y-A-N-A-N-T-H-O-S.com. And a reminder that if you are listening in September of 2021, that we have a new group starting called A Sacred Sex Pod. This is a chance to work one-to-one with me in customized sessions that invite your desires and interests to a mindful and contemplative erotic journey, and to also meet with a group of fellow erotic explorers between now and December. Much more information can be found about the Sacred Sex Pod at brianantos.com pod. Eli, again, absolute pleasure. I appreciate your generous heart and kind soul, um, positive spirit, um, and thank you for your work behind the camera, but also for just being this regular guy and authentic self and for giving voice to these needed and necessary conversations of our time. (laughs) I hope we can do this again one time. Thank you for having me on. And thank you to everyone listening out there. I'm always grateful that you took some time out of your day to stop by and listen. And until next time.